0: Thank you very much, Naomi. This morning, I'm not sure I call what I'm going to share so much preaching as a reminder, sharing my heart. This Wednesday, we begin another Awana year, another year of teens. We had a VBS back in July and I, This morning I want to remind us, including myself, of some core items which we want to keep in place. We want to do with excellence, conduct with excellence. I want a ministry, a teen ministry. But in the context of doing those ministries, having those ministries... We want to, again, keep the core in place. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we find what is called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus speaking and saying some hard things just as he says in Luke chapter 6, which Jason read earlier. But at the end of chapter 7... At the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, he gives the account of the wise and foolish builders. And he says, in verse 24 of Mark or Matthew 7, "Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock." The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. yet it did not fall." because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house in the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew. beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Again, in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, he is encouraging, exhorting people to apply the Sermon on the Mount. And if they listened to him and applied it, they were like a wise man building a house on a rock. If they didn't apply it, they're like a foolish man building a house on the sand. And in the same context of applying God's word, in James chapter 1, James chapter 1, and verse 22, and this passage of Scripture really causes me to stop and think many times. James 1 and beginning with verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently, into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. He will be blessed in what he does. Again, the idea of obeying, applying, not merely listening, because if we merely listen and don't obey, we deceive ourselves. And then he talks about a man who listens but doesn't apply. It's like a man looking in the mirror, and I was reminded of that this week. I shaved and I combed my hair and I get dressed and came down to the study and a couple hours later i went back to the bathroom and I looked in the mirror and I thought, why well, is my face all bloody? I mean, I looked in the mirror when I was combing my hair and didn't even see it. And if I did see it, I didn't think about doing anything. A couple hours later, I thought, no, who did I see in the meantime that you know, wondered what was going on? You know, sometimes... That's the way we are with God's Word. We, we may hear, we don't apply. If we miss not only what I share today, but what I've shared at other times along a similar line, if we miss it and don't apply it, we're merely rearranging the deck furniture on a seeking Titanic. And I acknowledge and probably realize more the older I get that we deal with a real enemy, Satan, who's out to destroy God's plan. He's out to destroy God's will. He's out to destroy God's desire. And he'll do whatever he can for that to be a reality. But as we think about some things, Which questions are asked of us? What do you offer for children and teens in your church? That's one way to be asked a question. Another way to be asked is, I notice that you offer little for your children and teens at your church. Yet your children and teens are obedient, respectful, content, and apply themselves well at school. Can you tell me why? Or someone ask a question, Why is gay marriage wrong? Don't we all have rights? That stands in contrast to someone saying, Could you tell me why you are so content and peaceful and different in your marriages? The way we live, the way we respond. deeply influences. As we keep the core in place, there's a three-letter word that we must keep in mind, and that three-letter word is sin. The gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. If we seek to reach people, whether it be children or adults, with programs and activities and music alone, and don't factor in the fact that we're dealing with sin, we're going to have many, many difficulties. We say sometimes that we have to get them in to be willing to hear the gospel. How about going to where they are, living the gospel, and verbalizing the gospel? Let's also stop and think sometimes how we talk to children and to teens. Do we ask them, what do you want to do when you grow up? Or do we teach them what they should do when they grow up? Do we talk to them about job money and getting ahead? Or do we teach them how to be sensitive to God day by day? How many times have young people heard that the world is getting worse and worse and worse? Or do we tell them whether the world's getting worse or not God remains stable and constant and his plan and his desire remains constant? If we're not careful, we can be tempted to tell the younger generation how foolish and ignorant the older generation is by letting them spend most of their time with the younger generation who has not developed, who has not matured in wisdom just because that's part of being younger. How do we define success? Is it walking with God or is it otherwise? Just a couple questions. Are leaders, parents, grandparents, older saints living lives that are holy from the inside out? Being transformed from the inside out, thus offering something that is worth following. Are they displaying their thirst is satisfied? thus a deep contentment. I'll put myself in the category. Am I, as an older man, displaying a contentment in life? Am I living in a way that says to someone younger, it's worth following Christ? It makes a difference in life. Our Father's teaching and training and admonishing their children in the Lord as a pattern of life. Just asking. And I'm not talking perfection. I'm not talking not failing. Do we hear children, teens, young adults talking about the holiness, the love for God, the humility, love for believers, consistent corporate worship, yielding to the local shepherds? And body life they see among leaders, parents, grandparents, and older saints. Being evident. Is it possible what we call walking away from Christianity, and that's by young people, is their expression of frustration concerning the emptiness, the lack of power, The lack of transformation in the professing body of Christ. I'm asking, I'm not trying to answer that. I realize this chart that I'm putting on, I've shared before. I think we begin at the bottom and we build upon that. Christ. Commitment to the local body, fellowship among believers, pastor, pastors, depends on the church. Church leadership, fathers, parents, grandparents, and older saints. And the reason that I put pastor, pastors, and Christ in the local body in the very bottom is that as you read through the epistles, that seems to be very, very true. That's critical for church leadership and fathers and parents being where they should be. Now, let's just talk about reality. Many of us here have adult children. We desire to be walking with God. Is that not reality? That's true parents struggle in teaching and training their children if you're tra- teaching and training children now you struggle with that every day is not peaches and cream you know it's just ooh i just enjoy this all the time my kids are always angels that's reality those of us who are older as parents or grandparents can look back and we can see failures in our lives as we taught and trained our children and some of us would say, if I could go back and redo it, but we can't. We can also look back and say, I did some things right. And we can see some strengths. I think that's just reality. I hear over and over that our world has changed. And I'm not debating that our world has changed. But it does affect how we respond. I think it's real that we struggle with living holy lives. That's just part of living. Some of you go to work and you think, how do I live for God in this environment? You relate to a neighbor or you're in school. How do I relate in a holy way, in a manner pleasing to God? I think reality also is that we blame ourselves for our children and how they turned out. What did I do wrong? If they didn't turn out the way we want. And we end up living in the past rather than in the present. What if I had? What if I hadn't? Do you ever consider that parenting is a paradox? Parents are fully responsible for parenting children and children are fully responsible for obedience. It's kind of like the paradox of God's sovereignty and free will. Is God sovereign? Yes. Are humans free will? Yes. Which is correct? Yes. They're both involved. You can't fully explain them. So parents are to teach and train, and they blow it along the way. Children are to obey, and they don't always respond. But let's lay aside the blame game blaming ourselves or looking at someone else. What did they do wrong? Say, yes, it happened in history, and I'll comment more on that in a moment. Sometimes we're tempted to think, for a variety of reasons, that if we do everything right, everything will be great. If I teach my kids right, if we as a church teach kids right, everything's going to be great. May I challenge that with the fact that God... is a good father but his kids don't always respond I think we need to acknowledge reality is that we live in a broken fallen world we can't escape it parents worry about how their children are going to turn out raising our kids and we want them to turn out good and they don't that doesn't always happen I think sometimes we as parents and grandparents battle with where we find contentment. We're tempted to find our contentment in our kids, our grandkids and how they live and how they respond rather than in Christ. Well, I'll be content if my kids and my grandkids turn out right. We battle with that. Reality, too, is that Satan is alive and well, and his temptations are real. We can try, we can plan, we may seek to do everything right, but the enemy is real. He'll discourage, he'll get you to live in the past and all your failures, rather than Dealing with them and living in the present. He'll get you to find your worth and how your kids or grandkids are responding or not responding rather than in Christ. And in relation to this chart, it is important that as a body we're committed to Christ and the local body. We fellowship with one another. But as you look at Scripture, I, as a pastor, it's critical that I live and seek to be sensitive to God because I influence church leaders. And I have not arrived. I'll be the first to admit that. I am not perfect. Church leaders are not perfect. But seeking to be sensitive to God. Because pastors and church leaders deeply influence dads. Dads need someone, mom and dad need someone to turn to and say, how do I do it? Pray for me. I blew it. What do I do now? And turning to leaders to pray, to respond. Respond. And grandparents and older saints seeking to deeply influence. A couple practical thoughts in relation to this chart. If you're a mom and a dad, and some of you are parents, your mate is gone. But as a couple pray together, out loud, for your kids and for your grandkids, your family pray together with your kids, maybe extended family at times. Leaders praying with people and people getting together and just praying. So a Jerry and an Arden get together and say, let's just talk to God about our kids and our grandkids. we we'll pray together share burdens. Alan and Peggy getting together with Jason and Naomi. They're saying, here's joys and struggles. Let's pray together about our kids. Practically, over and over, we need to make choices to live in the present. I don't know how many parents I've talked to, how many leaders I've talked to over the years. If only. My kids might be different if I had. And that may be true. But here's my counsel. If you look at your past and you blew it, you didn't do some things right, admit it. Deal with it. God, I didn't respond correctly. There's some things I could have done different, but I'm coming to you in confession. I'm accepting your forgiveness. I'm going to put that in the past. I don't want to live in it. I don't want to dwell in it. I want to focus in the present. Do you ever consider David as a father? He was not a very good father. But yet we read the psalms and how God used David in his blowing it. Psalm 32. He's sharing his confession. Psalm 51 he's sharing his confession. In Psalm chapter 3, God, where are you? The same thing in Psalm 13. But yet in Psalm 45 or 145, he's praising God. Can we recognize as we look in the past, Lord, I failed. I blew it. What are you going to do with that, Lord? How are you going to use that in my life? How can I use that to influence someone else? See, it's one thing for someone to walk up to you as you're bemoaning a struggle you have with your family and They say to you, yeah, I understand. And in the back of your mind thinking, you don't even have any children, and you understand what I'm going through? And I'm not saying they can't, but you get the idea. Sometimes we walk through a mess, and we didn't respond well, and we put an arm around someone, and they're crying and saying, if only I had. And you say, yes, I've been there, I've done that. But you don't have to live in light of the past. You can live in the present. And that may involve going to your children sometimes as adult children and saying, I failed you as you were growing up. Here's where will you forgive me? I want it to be history. History. In the context of this chart, younger seeking to spend time with older. So I'm identifying some ages here, maybe. If you don't think you're younger, that's okay. But you have a younger couple, like Alan and Peggy, spending some time with some older parents. Like Arden or Rick or Ray and Sharon. Just saying, I got some questions. How do I respond? What did you do right? What did you do wrong? Or a Janie and a Justin. Saying to Joe and Yunus, can we stop at your house? You've been married a long time now. You're old, you're over the hill. But you've got some wisdom to share with us. Just want to sit down and talk to you about marriage. And what can we learn from you? Just the whole idea in the context of this chart. As pastors and church leaders and fathers and parents and grandparents and older saints share and interact. Being willing to learn from life. The mistakes, the strengths, building relationships. The younger and the older are sharing and interacting. the context of the chart. Accepting one another. How easy it is to criticize. We see someone whose adult child may not be responding well, and we say, well, if they would have, and we end up criticizing rather than going and putting an arm around them and share a burden with them and pray with them, or whatever the case may be. Or we see someone younger and their kid's may not seem to be real responsive, but they seem to be struggling. And we think if only they would do this, their kids would really behave. How about laying aside the mindset of finding fault and criticizing and loving? I'm not saying we don't, but really loving. No, you know, it hurts like crazy To have an adult child. That isn't where you want them to be. That hurts. It hurts when you're raising a teenager and the teenager kind of becomes defiant. And someone says to you, well, if you did this, your kid would be different. Rather than coming alongside, I know you're hurting, you're really struggling with your teen, they're not being responsive to you. But I care for you. I'm praying for you. Where a child is very responsive, and someone comes alongside and says, I see this quality. I see you seeking to be faithful in this way. We need to keep in mind the enemy is out to destroy and divide and pull us from God's design and God's will. And that so often comes. From a critical mindset. Those who have children who may not be where you would desire them to be need to be loved, cared for, prayed for, encouraged. And those who have children are where they should be and are being responsive to God, need loved, cared for, prayed for, so that they continue to humbly seek the Lord. Prayer is so important. Each week in our prayer guide, we list several families or individuals. In the vestibule on your way out, if you want to pick up a sheet, I think it has a blue cover of students who are in school and those involved in education and parents. And just pray for people in the coming months. Those of you who have children who are going from home, pray for parents. Pray for teens. Pray for children. Offer to be with them. Invite them into your home. Visit in their home. We're not in this alone because we do deeply influence others. Just seeking to pursue faithful local body, body life, shepherding and worship. In marriage, worshiping, fellowshipping, equipping, family worshiping together. Fellowship and equipping. So many times we try to make sure we do things right. And that is good. But none of us here or a parent or a grandparent has done everything right. do we pray about that and talk to other people about that? So a family sitting down together or a husband and wife sitting down together or getting together with some other believers. Dad or mom or child, whoever were to begin, say, no, it worked today. I didn't respond well, and I just want you to know that. Will you pray for me? Or dad and mom get into a little squabble with their kids or grandkids are around, and dad finally says, whoa, 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 enough. And he says, honey, I didn't respond well. I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And then his wife says, I guess I didn't either. Will you forgive me? And then to the kids together say, we blew it. Will you forgive? You know, that's life. But on the other hand, it's also sharing when we do right. But think about that in the context of marriage and family and other people where there's an openness and a child feels free to come home and say, Mom and Dad, I just want you to know I got in trouble today. You'll probably get a call from the school because I've beaten another kid. I wanted to beat the school to you. I'm telling you first. And Dad or Mom seeks to give guidance. Individually, seeking to renew minds. Quiet meditation Feeding your mind, scripture and prayer, contentment. Just seeking to have a satisfied lifestyle and pursuing God's glory. A couple of questions as we wrap it up. Why do we continue to look for better methods, music, programs to reach and keep young people, but fail to ask, Are we following God's will? God's plan, God's desire? I'm not opposed to methods and not opposed to programs or things like that. But are we asking, Are we keeping that pyramid in order? Am I as a pastor? being what God has called me to be. Or church leaders, being what God has called them to be. Dads, moms, grandparents, and older saints, being what God has called them to be. Ask your children any age, whether they're 5 or 10 or 40, the following questions about life when they were or were living at home. What does your pastor love? What do your church leaders love? What does your father love? What do your parents love? What do your grandparents love? What do older saints in your church love? And I want you to notice who I began with. The pastor, then church leaders, and then fathers. Fathers and mothers need to be able to look to church leaders and to a pastor for an example. And how to live in a broken, fallen world. Along with grandparents and older saints. We want to do Awana with excellence. We want to do team ministry with excellence. VBS with excellence. But doing those ministries must be in the context of keeping the core in place. The chart, if you want to take me back to that. Jer, just keeping that in place. Praying for one another, encouraging one another. And as leaders come together in various ministries, am I being what God has called me to be? Are our parents seeking to pursue God? Are our church leaders seeking to pursue God? Are we bringing older saints into interact with the younger people? I'm not saying we haven't done that, just encouragement. We've done much of that to keep. Those items in place. So I'm asking myself: Am I committed to our local body? Am I loving and leading and developing Ruthann? Am I praying for and guiding and teaching and encouraging my children and their families? Am I practicing disciplines that I mentioned earlier? is my life being yielded to the Lord? And then asking those same questions about church leaders and fathers and parents and grandparents and older saints. A rope of seven strands is not easily broken. We're not talking perfection, we're not talking no failures. We live in a broken world. There's going to be difficulty and all of that. But we together pursue God and the freedom to encourage and spur on one another for God's glory. Let's pray. Father, we think about another Awana year, another teen year beginning. We desire to be excellent and effective in those ministries. But As we have those ministries, Father, may we come back time and time again and keep in focus the importance, the core, being committed to a local body, I, as a pastor, pursuing you and godliness, and church leaders and fathers and parents and grandparents and older saints pursuing you. Not that we look for perfection, not that we demand certain things, but just seeking to be sensitive to you. In our strengths, encouraging one another. In our burdens, carrying one another's burdens. In our failures, a willingness to listen. Oh, how we need wisdom to live in our world. To experience your power at work in us. And Father, in our lives, may you enable us to understand practically the power that is at work in us, the power that is beyond what we can ask or comprehend. The power that raised Christ from the dead. As pastors, as leaders, as fathers, as mothers, as husbands, as wives, as grandparents, as older saints, we will grasp that power and live it out in our lives. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen.